Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the eighth day of February, and it's the first day that we turn our attention to the third chapter of the Gospel of Mark on our journey through this great Gospel of Mark. Let me take a second before we start today and remind you that I will be in West Columbia, South Carolina this weekend at the Crossroads World Outreach Center with Pastor Josiah Hodge. We were there in January. We aired that sermon um, a couple of weeks ago titled Identity Theft. We're going back to this weekend to minister there again. And if you're in the Columbia, South Carolina area, come see us. Address at my website. We would love to meet you. Of course, we'll bring for you the uh, recording of that sermon in a subsequent Sunday coming up soon. Uh, Speaking of journeys and subsequent Sundays, the next Sunday, which is the 19th day of February, we will be in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. I'm going to minister for my dad at the Southside Poplar Bluff General Baptist Church. Uh, address details on my website as well, paulwhiteministries.com slash schedule. We try to go in and minister for dad every few months. Of course, gives us an opportunity to go home, see friends and family, spend a couple of days. Uh, it's about an eight-hour, eight between eight and nine-hour drive for us, so we can't do it a lot, but we do because it's family and it, it's the old home place, uh, we love to go back. And so dad always has us preach when we're there. Should be a fun time. If you're in southeast Missouri, northeast Arkansas, southern Illinois, it's not that far of a drive. Come see us. And uh, we would uh, we'd love to be with you. Let's begin today in Mark chapter 3. And of course, uh, this is going to take several days. We've I, I, Looking back across the schedule, it took most of January to get through chapter 1. Of course, that had introduction included. And it only took us uh, about a week and a half to get through Mark 2, I guess maybe a little longer than that. Um, So, you know, who knows? I don't know exactly. I'm not at any kind of pace or pacing. I'm just enjoying the journey. Let's begin in verse 1. And he entered, and of course, the he is Jesus. He entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. Now, entering the synagogue again is Mark's way of telling you that you've seen this happen before. Jesus was in the synagogue back in chapter 1 when he cast out the unclean spirit. This was in Capernaum, so we're to assume he's in Capernaum again. Uh, There was a man there who had a withered hand. Uh, The withered hand is not a life and death illness, of course. However, it could be the kind of injury or illness that has cost this man his ability to do whatever he did for a living. You know, consider the fact that you're living in a in almost entirely what we would consider labor world or blue collar world in Jesus' day. Uh, when when Paul says to the Thessalonians that they should work with their own hands, basically what he's saying is you should have something to do. Well, because something to do was almost predominantly done with your own hands. To have a withered hand is physically is a problem because it could keep you from doing what you're good at or your or what your trade is. But psychologically, or I guess maybe you could even say spiritually, to have the withered hand is to have a piece of you that matters shrivel up uh, and and die. And so there's some deep connotations to healing the withered hand. That which you can grasp is about to be restored by Jesus. Now, verse 2, they watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they might accuse him, or better said, so that they might bring charges 
against him. Of course, the Pharisees are making Jesus' action out to be a test case. They're going to leave the room in verse 6 and go plot against Jesus. It would seem to me that Jesus knows this and is doing this on purpose, um, exactly walking into their test case. Let's read it out for a few verses, and then we'll start to comment a little more. He said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward, or literally, arise and come here. And he said to him, is it lawful? I'm sorry, he said to them, that pronoun's important because this is not just Jesus talking to the man with the withered hand anymore. This is Jesus speaking to those watching him closely. He said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now, this is a great question, and this is an anticipation of their criticism because he's reiterating the teaching he started at the end of chapter 2. So Mark is showing, and I told you a few days ago, I'm not crazy about this chapter break. It feels like this incident in the healing of the Sabbath in chapter 3 fits nice and snug with the story at the end of 2. Our chapter breaks are relatively a holdover from medieval times when in the what we would call the Dark Ages when scribes were putting the text into more readable uh, portions. And we've been so married to it because of the universality of it that we haven't changed it, uh, even though it should be done. And when you get a hold of a Bible or a translation or an expositor that says, well, I'm going to include this in the previous chapter, people lose their minds. They act like that's some sort of sacrosanct thing that you can't ever... You can't ever mess with, but, and I'm not saying we should, I know it would mess up. It's like, it's like, uh, if we had, if everyone got to determine what time it was in their town versus the next town, they go, well, I don't, I don't know. It should be a little later here. Cause we're a little closer to the timeline. It should be a little earlier here. You know, that wouldn't work very well. Certainly wouldn't work for planes, trains, and automobiles. So, <laughs> um, we got to just accept the fact that this story is here. But I, my point there is I think that Jesus is really just doing the whole thing. He's continuing the com, the conversation he started at the end of 23 when he was talking about the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Is it lawful? This is a great question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Now, the Pharisees actually believed that the only, ascent, the only aid you could give on the Sabbath day had to be essential aid. It had to literally be done to save someone's life. But Jesus is showing that that kind of interpretation is actually against the spirit of the commandment because he believed that the spirit of the commandment, which was remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, keep it separate, existed to promote good. Remember, the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath, the good that Jesus does in bringing redemption in whatever form that is, in whatever way that looks like, that's re- that that's required, not forbidden by the law. So they're looking at the law as forbidding what Jesus is doing. Jesus looks at the law as requiring what he is doing. So they thought, well, he shouldn't heal because it's the Sabbath. Jesus thought, I should heal. It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is rest. The spirit of Sabbath is redemption and wholeness. If I don't do what makes man whole on the Sabbath, I break the Sabbath. 
The next time someone argues to you about keeping a natural Sabbath, well, I already told you what I thought about that, how it's fulfilled in Christ, but one of the counters to that could be that if it's truly Sabbath, what should you do that you're not doing? Not just what should you not do. That's something to think about. We'll keep this story going and get into this little comment about the Herodians, which is coming up. That's a new word for Mark's gospel. We'll get into that tomorrow. See you then. God bless.